Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. We're recording after a win. How are you, mate? Good, Scotty. Good. I hope you're doing well. Um, I'll tell you what, let's kick things off with um, one thing I learned from the weekend, Scotty, is that uh, Tito's a wanker, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) What about that? The chant... um, Going around at the stadium at Bank West uh, Stadium, is it, no Combank Stadium. It's Combank called Stadium. these days. Um, for the pretty much the full full eighty minutes, well, at least the time that he was on the field, uh, didn't let up from kickoff to um, well, not even before kickoff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tied exactly. entry onto the field to uh, to even after full time, people were leaving the stadium, banging drums, still chanting it. Yes, even at the train station, I can tell you that. <laughs> First time I've actually caught the train train to uh, Convent this year, and uh, Tino is a wanker at Parramatta Station, and uh, the staff <laughs> member uh, there was a confused staff member, and then uh, one I've heard one staff member goes, "Well, you see, he played Origin; he was the one who did that." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "That's what they're alluding to: is that guy's yeah. a wanker?" And then the train staff, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting antidote there. Um, I'll tell you what; I don't think I was prepared for that type of reaction, like. Yes, there was a lot of talk uh, after the Origin game and the fact that the Bulldogs were playing the Gold Coast two weeks after that game, um, and there was talk about you know players possibly squaring up and and that sort of thing. I guess we'll get into Corey Waddell later. Um, but I, I don't. I, when I was going to the game, I wasn't expecting any minutes of um, Tilo's a wanker chair. You know what? Actually, not. It's a weird one to say. I didn't mind it in the sense of, you know, Bullets vs. Titans is never really a draw card. It hasn't been yep. since the Titans have been in since 2007. I can't think there has really been any times like you must, you can't miss a Bulldogs and Titans game. And yeah. this has turned it a little bit. However, I'll be interested to see if it stretches on to next year. If it won't be to that extreme, I don't think 80 minutes, but I wonder yeah. if a Tino's a wanker chant will hit wherever we play them next year at our home ground, if that will rise its head up. Well, because- we- I haven't looked at the uh, record, but um, from memory, we don't often play the Titans in Sydney. No, um, not really. I think it was Belmore before that. Well, although we, we have had um, COVID recently, so so yeah, it's not maybe not the right time to have a look at that. But yeah, it feels like over the over, since 2007, we haven't played Titans in Sydney too often. Uh, and yeah, it's you're right. It's a club that we don't really have beef with. Um, you know, obviously we want to win the two points when we come up against them, but there's no real history of hatred there or anything like that. And, uh, well, there may be now. <laughs> there may be now. So there you go. This is how rivalries start. Of course, though, at the end of the day, uh, the Bulldogs won that game 36-26. How did you see it? I was impressed in the first time. Very, very happy. Like, what an attacking side we've turned out to be under Mick Potter. He's just, I think, simplified everything for the Bulldogs. And yeah. Seeing Kyle Flanagan, and it, I want to say this, um, didn't get many points, but the Harbour Bridge pass to Jacob Kraz, no, it didn't end up in a try, but I don't think you see that from Kyle Flanagan 10 weeks ago. I think mm-hmm. if Kyle Flanagan took a couple of darts at the line, he got end up getting short, like, you know, getting tackled. Other days he might have slipped through and scored a try, but he was causing some headaches for the Titans as well. Um, mm. So those are things that I would just highlight Kyle Flanagan, but like he, I think he's the highlight of what Mick Potter's done at the club. Like Kyle's backing himself, he's doing these Harbour Bridge passes, he's shooting out balls left, right and centre for the last couple of weeks. 
Um, they've really, Mick Potter's really simplified it. And I think he said to the boys, if you see something, go for it. That's what it looks like the message is out there. And telling them that, you know, you're all on top grade. You're all good enough to be there. I don't know. That's what feels like the confidence where I felt weeks ago, Trevor very structured and wanted point by point type of thing. I think Mick Potter's really gone, you know what? Yeah. Everyone knows their role. Big boys run hard and straight. These little guys, you know, set the set the tries up or they'll worry about, you know, points of the field too too much. So I don't know. But yeah. it just but so whole, the pressure's been lifted as well and there's that whole argument that's been had as well. But yeah, of course you what, yeah. The, the second half the first half was really, really good. And I think after the first half it kind of felt like that day the day that the Bulldogs were gonna go on and score a really high total of points on the scoreboard. And I think the players were feeling that way too, because early in the second half, uh, it looked like we weren't prepared to do the necessary work yes. uh, to, to win the right to attack. And we just wanted to continue off where we where we left off in the first half. And I think um, because of that, the uh, second half didn't really go to plan and it was a bit disappointing overall. Um, however, in saying that, we can't make the finals... Anyway, so normally when you pull something like this out, it's a you normally follow that line up with something like we won the game on the day, but it might be an issue down the track. We're already down the track, so yeah. I think you've got to be with the last couple of years from the Bulldogs. Um, as a Bulldogs fan, you've got to be happy with the two points and happy to, to leave with the uh, 36-26 overall. And the first half was was a lot of fun to be a part of, um, to be at the stadium and. Um, to see the amount of points go up in the first half, um, but yeah, overall, the you know the perfectionist in me feels disappointed in the second half performance, uh, especially because I think there was a real opportunity to go you know high forties or fifties if we were to play the second half the way we did in the first half, um, but that that didn't happen. And the Titans came back to a stage where I think um, with about oh, 10, 15 minutes to go. I was having flashbacks to a game against Canberra at Belmore <laughs> if Canberra came back to win. Oh, I don't talk about that like, oh. like <laughs> I was expecting it uh, possibly to happen again. Um, yeah, great fears that that was going to happen there. Mm, I don't like to talk about that one because I know exactly the one. Um, no, yeah, I felt like that. Uh, yeah, I'm um, the same. The bit of the perfectionist in me as well would have loved to see the Bulls run away with it, but you know, earn the right. But I suppose sometimes when you get some young players, because it is relatively a young side, uh, especially those in the attacking positions, um, some just play what they see. Sometimes, sometimes they forget to do the you know the hard work, what's necessary to earn the right yeah. to to do that. So that's the negative of sometimes playing always like what you see and backing yourself yeah. because sometimes you get a bit cocky and, well, not cocky, but just sometimes you think you've done the hard work, but you've got to earn it both sides of the half, I guess. You can't just do all the hard yeah, work in the first half and then should be right in the second. That's not how it works, right. and especially in NRL, at least. Yeah. That's a good point. Hopefully the players that are a bit less experienced learn from that uh, and it's a good lesson going forward. Uh, like I said, at this stage, we're just happy for wins and to finish yep. the season on a good note. But hopefully uh, whatever lessons like that that can be picked up between now and the end of the season carries on into next year. The win puts us on into 12th position, which, you know, feels pretty high from where <laughs> where we come from. Unfortunately, uh, eight points out of the top eight. So um, 
it is a level horse race for the Premiership at the moment, at least mathematically. Um, we're, we're the best of the bottom five. <laughs> yep. Which is, uh, which is I, I feel like <clears throat> if we were to finish 12th this year from where we've come from, that's a really good success from when Barrett left us. Yeah. And I think at the start of the year, if, if someone said you guys will finish 12th, we'd be a little bit disappointed, but not majorly, because we were talking about 10th or 11th um, as, a, as a sign of improvement. So if we get a couple more wins before the end of the season, um, you know, we've said it before, Bulldogs, you don't make the finals, it's not a successful season. However, um, if we do finish with a couple of wins from the last six games, um, and finish in 12th and maybe even lob, uh, bridge that gap a little bit between 12th and 11th uh, overall, it'd be fairly okay with that. No, yeah. No. I mean, the way we're looking when Barrett was in, it looked like his back-to-back wooden spoon at one stage. I didn't want mm. to say it. It looked like we are just fighting to get off this last. That was just our goal, was just to come 15th. Mm. It was not to go back-to-back in wooden spoons. But now that win, I think, you know, secures the fact that we won't get it. Oh, I hope so. It just, I don't hope it doesn't mean we take the foot off the pedal. <laughs> Let's get a couple more wins. Like, especially this week, I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, we've got the Knights. It'd be a perfect opportunity to beat them and buffer the gap between, because they're one of the teams below us on the ladder. Yeah. I really think that, a bigger gap. I think if we were to win this week, that would definitely seal it, that we can't come last, so, I think. Um, yeah. But we'll yeah. talk about the Knights game a little bit, a little later, bit later in detail. Yep. So 36-26, dogs over Titans, the tri-scorers. There was only three of them. <laughs> Josh Adokar, he got um, a hat-trick. Matty Burton got two. And uh, Jeremy Marshall King scoring. Burton also kicked five from six and a penalty goal. Matty Burton, what a night for him. What's that? That's 20 points for Burton in the game out of a possible 36. Yeah, but... Um, <clears throat> what, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, crowd, I think, was a... I want to highlight the crowd. I think it's fantastic. 11,000 people. No, it's not. People go just 11, Just under 12,000. It was, wasn't far off. Um, for a game against... For a game of two bottom four teams... And the um, Gold Coast. With one of those teams being a uh, interstate team, that was a pretty decent crowd result. Um, mm. But the atmosphere was out of the world. Yeah, it's probably the <laughs> best game atmosphere I think we've had this year. And that's including the Belmore game. Um, yeah, possibly. And the one at the core stadium this year with the game against the Broncos, where there was only 14,000. That place was rocking at 14,000. So it's, it's some of the people... Dare, just dare I bring up the Roosters game? <laughs> oh, that was, about, that was one of our, small, yeah, but, I think one of our smallest yeah, off but, the top of memory. Yeah, and yeah that, that place didn't feel like it. <laughs> no, that place was rocking too. Um, but I just want to highlight that, you know, it was very little, you know, Titans supporters there, obviously because being an interstate team and... You know, so like you know, actually, much was, there was to... more than I was expecting, to be honest. No, there they was. Didn't, oh. They didn't seem to be like they didn't seem to sit together in a group or in a section of the stand or whatever, but just um, walking from my bus stop <laughs> over to the ground and and behind the stairs, there was a lot more Titans colours than I, I expected to see. So that was that was not bad as well. All right, Scotty, should we go to our three, two, ones? Yeah, and then we will talk about some of the the key t- talking moments of the. Yep, perfect. Titans. So, do you want to kick us on the three? Because I think we've got the yep. same three points. We do. Uh, a couple of <coughs> different 
options after that, though. Uh, Josh Anakar, is there anyone else to pick? As I think you said just before we hit record, he obviously got the hat-trick of tries. He also got a try assist. He ran for 317 metres. Uh, four of those Coffee. were uh, four tackle breaks and one line break. Um, and those intercept tries, game turners. Mm, and clocking over 38 k's an hour. There you one go. of those one of those runs. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. He almost uh, almost set off a, a speed camera in a school zone. That's how close. <laughs> that's crazy. Who did you have two points? Well, I had a, a big man, a big bopper. I thought played fantastic. Unfortunately, uh, someone I've wanted. How did you describe on the weekend? I think we're sitting in the stands. You said, I think someone or might have said on the podcast actually. Someone we didn't have much like overly high hopes for. But you know, really came to the club, and now we're sad to see him go. So he's left a good impression. That was Paul Vaughan. Uh, he played 43, 43 minutes, uh, thirteen runs, one hundred and forty-four run meters, seventy-one post-contact meters. So he was getting hit, and he was finding it hard to get him on the ground. He was making his work, and uh, twenty-three tackles without a miss. I thought, you know, his stats might not be around the two hundred mark, but geez, didn't he? I think he caused Titans uh, a bit of headaches with his mm-hmm. runs. So I've gone with Paul Vaughan for two. There you go. Yeah, I said that on last week's episode of the podcast. I knew you um, said it. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't remember where. Uh, I've given two points to Matty Burden. <laughs> he obviously got the two tries. He also had a try assist. Seven runs for 102 metres. So he hasn't always had um, high metre runs this year as well. So it's good to see that uh, coming through in his game late in the season two at the Bulldogs. Uh, two tackle breaks, two line breaks, a line break assist, and of course... He did the majority of the kicking again, um, kicking six goals, uh, but general play kicking 10 times for 249 metres. So I went for Matty Burden for two points. And I've given for one point uh, Raymond Fatala Mariner, uh, the fan favourite, really. I think he's he's just such a character at the club. Uh, but he, he played in, for 77 minutes. I don't think people realise he actually practically played the whole game. He was named mm. on the bench and he started. I think, obviously, well, I think the start was to hide Tavita and make sure Tavita wasn't sent off in the first two minutes of the game. <laughs> I think it was the plan with that. Yeah. Um, 12 runs, 129 metres, 62 post-contact metres, 29 tackles, zero misses. Again, you know, his stats are great. They are great. They're not like out of this world like forwards where, you know, some forwards crack the 200 mark. But... He's just, he could have almost scored two uh, on the weekend. Jeez, he deserves a try. He actually deserves five <laughs> tries the way he's playing uh, four seasons in. And also, he actually injured himself in the first half and still played 77 mm. minutes. So, got the rib injury that will mm. see him miss the Knights game. But, you know, mm. one, t- one tough man, uh, Raymond Fatale Mariner. Definitely. He's made a huge impact since rejoining the team. I've given one point to Jeremy Marshall Pig, the other try scorer. Uh, I didn't base this just on try scoring, just so you know. But um, he, had a, <laughs> he had another good game. 69 minutes on the field. He had a try. He had a try assist. Uh, he took 10 runs to 84 metres, uh, 27 post-contact metres, which is not bad for a little guy. Tackle break, a line break, a line break assist. Two offloads, 42 tackles made. I think he was the highest tackler of um, of the game for the Bulldogs. So I've got one point for Jeremy Marshall King. He's getting very strong since he's uh, sorted out his future. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Someone like Jeremy Marshall King or Max King, 
you, like mm. you muck around as the half brothers at the club. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if they win the Bulldogs Player of the Year. Absolutely. The Max way well, it's funny that you say that. Let's have a look at the top top five here or so. <laughs> Overall, the update of those points added into the mix. Uh, coming first is Matt Burton. He's still a bit of a runaway. He's on 31 points, but he might be being hunked down by Josh Adekar, who's on 26 all of a sudden, uh, in second place. Those two three-pointers. It's very rare that we agree on the three. Like, we might agree on the three-pointers, but we always never have them matched. So Josh Adekar's taking advantage of six points in this week. I- I think um, recently we've been a bit all over the place with each other as far as yeah. that goes. We're normally pretty tight, pretty close. But anyway, um, Paul Vaughan in third with 20 points. And then the two players you've just mentioned there, Jeremy Marshall King in fourth on 15 points. And fifth is Max King on 14 points. But I could see them winning the club player of the year or players yeah. player at the end of the year or coaches player of the year. Yep. I reckon they might walk away with some sort of uh, trophies at the Bulldogs presentation night because Max King seems to be the <coughs> players player every almost every week it feels like um, and mm-hmm. and you know those players are sometimes you know they they get highlighted by the average fan and the players mm-hmm. just notice them and but yeah Jerry Marshall King since he signed that contract with the Dolphins he's kind of reminded me of a bit of Hodko when uh, Hodko got that deal with the Knights he then went to a next level and you know some people some players you know get the future sorted it's mm-hmm. one thing less to worry about and you can just just play footy and that's what he's doing so it's good to see him because Marshall King's been a great servant for the club 100% now out of that game Scotty we've had a second player of the year charged with eye gouging after Brendan Wakeham <laughs> at Belmore gets the St George Illawarra Dragons in the New South Wales Cup Corey Waddell has been given a five week ban uh, for an eye gouge uh Look, it didn't look good, did it? He's reached around from behind. It's around the eyes. Uh, you can argue whether there was pressure on the eyes or even a hook one or not, one way or the other. Uh, but it didn't look good at the time. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was expecting a possible punishment on the field. Uh, and Tilo t- uh, <laughs> uh, did complain straight away without hesitation. So that's that side of it. But Corey Waddell has his own side of it, Scotty. He's not too happy about the suspension. No, he's <laughs> questioned the judiciary about it, saying he never touched the eyes. He might have brushed past it, I think, was the, as close as he said he was going to the eyes. He couldn't mm. see it. He even mentioned Max King in his story. Um, that was the tackle. Um, and he's gone to Instagram telling how disappointed he is for missing five mm. weeks for it. He is adamant that he's innocent. Uh, the Bulldogs, yeah, obviously went to fight it. Um, I watched it at the stadium, and I watched it on the big screen at the stadium. And I thought, yeah, it didn't look good, but I thought, you know, he will be right with the eye gouging. Like I thought, you know, mm. we'll just go into a high contact and all that. Watching, seeing some of the photos, he's got a hand full of his hair, as well, in mm. one hand pulling his head back, as mm. well. So that didn't look good. I more than I looked at it at home because I don't oh. know if it was the shade at the stadium because it was very hard for me to focus on the big screen with the way that the stadium yeah, made. It, it was, that. was hard, yeah. So I thought at the stadium, I thought, no, it's not too bad. Like, you might have a case to answer, but I got home and watched it again, a couple of home, and I thought, oh, dear. That's what I went with. That's yeah. when I changed my opinion where I was thinking. At the same time, I said, yeah, he'll be right. Corey will be fine. We'll fight it. We'll, he might cop yeah. something, but nothing too much. But then when I looked at it again, I could not see him getting off last night. Mm. Um, I thought five weeks, but... I'm not saying he did it because he's very adamant mm. he didn't do it, but I'm I've, I've 
surprised that in five weeks it could have easily been more than I that think as well. James Graham got eight. Wasn't um I don't I'm just having a memory here. When he first signed with us, was he the player that first signed when he uh, first signed with the club? Went out and attacked a player, not attacked a player, but went after an opposition player that had beef with the club the year before when he wasn't there. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. He's put a shot on someone. I, I think we were, make, we were <laughs> laughing about it. There was some beef between the Bulldogs and a player the year before Corey Woodell come to the club. And the next, the year that he came, first time we played that team, he went after them, really taking on the, uh, the identity of the club there. Yeah, I think it might have been. And I don't know. Corey Woodell, to me, I think, and obviously, me at members' days, and you know, it's very easy, right? He's very, yeah. very generous with his time. He, Sometimes I think it yeah. worse becomes a bit of a the penalties he gives away for high tackles are more I think fatigue penalties where he just doesn't get his arms mm. in the right spot. I don't think he's ever deliberately attacked well, anyone. But well, they, that surprised me a little bit too because I wouldn't say I don't feel like Corey Woodell's a dirty player at all, even a player right. that gets suspended a lot. But uh, they did I did read something in regards to this story today that said that his record did come into account towards the suspension, which surprised me because I don't remember him missing too many games. And mm. also, just thinking of it now, as I said that, all the records were wiped clean at the start of the year. So they're saying his record over this year. <laughs> I don't remember him contributed to that. Or they say maybe it was just poorly worded and I mean he got five weeks, not eight, because of uh, a clean record. I'm not too sure. Because I was going to say, a few of his penalties is giveaway for hard contact has just been, I think, fatigued and he's just slapped someone mm. in the face where it's just been a bit like, oh. Yeah. But I don't think he is at all. So um, he's got five weeks on the sideline, which causes a little bit of a headache because Raymond Fatale and was out for the week with a rib injury. Mm. Um, but with the, I suppose the news is that he uh, re-signed for three more years, Fatale uh, mm. and a very popular member of the playing squad uh, from, from within the club and then also the fans absolutely love Raymond Fatale and Mariner. Um, mm. so he's been a good news story. He could have retired early this year and now he's got another three more years at the Bulldogs. Um, he's really bought into the Bulldogs, Raymond. I think, you know, He's just a bulldog player now. He's just mm-hmm. bulldog through and through, um, which is outstanding. Uh, but also, what a talking point, Josh Jackson. Hey, you know, uh, he got hit in the head. Um, complained about being hit in the head, and then I think he's done the lot the lie down to get back at Tino. I think he's done because oh, yeah. jo- Josh Jackson doesn't lie down, and he got copped one in the head. He complained about it, pointed at his head, and I thought, you know what? If I lay down, it would have to be looked at. And got looked at, and then we got the penalty because it was flush in the head. It should have been called mm-hmm. uh, Ben Cummings. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know if he just turned his head when it, the contact happened, but it was flush in the in the melon. Josh Jackson never lays down. He will argue with you, but he won't lay down. But I think the Tino effect came into play, so I think he was playing a part of it as well. I just could really tell the Bulldogs really didn't, you know, really got behind the hatred of Tino that day. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the fans got behind the players, to be honest, <laughs> if we're going that way. Alrighty, uh, anything else you wanted to touch on that game? Um, No, it's just Alrighty, the second so... last home game of our regular, yeah, like our regular right. Sydney home game. So we talked we about one more. Much, yeah. yeah, I know, but I'm just, you know, it's coming to an end. So it's sad we've got one more home game mm-hmm. and it's the last round. Alrighty, before we get on to uh, this weekend's game, I'm just going to bring up the New South Wales Cup game that is available on KO Sports if you want to go back and watch it. So if you want to do that, pause this podcast right now because uh, some spoiler coming. Bulldogs beating the Canberra Raiders in Canberra 39-26. to 26. 
you told me earlier that you haven't been able to watch the full game, so um, no. I'll just talk about it a bit bit here. Um, a bizarre game, 22-0 down after something like 23 minutes. Uh, I was sitting there going, oh, this could be a, a long day for the New South Cup team, the only team capable of winning... Um, some trophies this year, the senior competitions, uh, which we've which we uh, will put more and more importance on as the year as the year progresses from here, I'm sure. Um, but they managed to come back and win the game, 39-26. Now, the first 23 minutes or so, it just looked like they didn't want to be there. To be honest, uh, the Raiders were were playing pretty good football, but it didn't look like they had to play exceptional football to to score points quickly against us. Um, but that all changed when the bench came on. So great performances. Uh, you need to give credit to Matt Dury, Harrison Edwards, who's now in line to make his debut this week, and Joshua Stuckey. Those three players in particular coming on the field managed to turn that around. Um, and the Bulldogs managing to score a couple of late tries in that first half, to, um, or three late tries in the first half, to bring us right back into it. One of them, um, a major error by Nicol Klostad, threw the ball back in field um, to, I think it was um, Bailey Bioliotto to run around and score. Uh, a bit of a brain slap, that one, uh, but really helped brought the Bulldogs back into the game. Other players that need to be highlighted, there's the obvious one, we'll get to that soon. Uh, Jackson Torpenny and Reese Hoffman, very strong uh, efforts by them as well. But the one that everyone's talking about, is the player that's on, on uh, a trainer trial at the moment, Jarrell Skelton. Uh, there's been a lot of conversations since his performance uh, in this particular game, actually. Uh, I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it in the media as well. He did pick up a try, but his power, speed, and balance is what everyone's talking about. I'll just go through his stats from the game. 80 minutes, one try, 14 runs, 219 metres from a centre, remember. Uh, 48 of those metres were post... Uh, 48 post-contact metres. 14 tackle breaks. One line break, one offload, uh, seven tackles and two missed tackles. Um, not that that matters <laughs> that much when you're putting up those numbers beforehand. He... Um, people are asking, when is he going to be given an opportunity? Uh, I'm not sure he can on a train and trial in the NRL. I'm not saying he can't, just... There you go. He can. Um, but I tell you what, he's definitely done enough already in my mind to sign a deal for next year in at the top 30. Yeah, I always think, like, we've got some outside back depth now, haven't we, all of a sudden? Well, I know, he could, I know Gus has talked about potentially moving into the second row as well to see if uh, that mm. suits, which we've got a lot of them as well. Um, <laughs> a lot. Um which is good because we've got, I think people like, obviously look at Brandon Burns, uh, who I think is a great top grader. I really do. And I think he bounced back against South really well. I think it was a bit quiet on the weekend. Um, you've got Declan Casey, who I want to actually highlight, by the way, he hasn't played much fullback this year. In this Cup. I think he's played two and a half games at fullback. I was doing some research um, in this Wales Cup this year. So him to play fullback in the top grade game after very little to- uh, fullback at all, in any level, mm. I thought he did all right. I think he was out of position a couple of times. That's why I think the Titans score got a little bit closer, but good effort. Very hard to do that in top grade. I forgot to mention that earlier. But, you know, Declan Casey's been playing well at centre. 
for the Bulldogs, Jacob Kratz, Aaron Shop. Um, the list goes on. So it's pretty scary that our outside back depth is looking very good, very strong. Um, and you said he can play second row as well. You've got the likes of Jackson Topini, Josh Jackson, Raymond Vitale and Mariner, Tafita Benjamin yeah. Jr. It'd be interesting to see if they do move him into the second row. We've got the bye this week in the cup, but um, it's disappointing. No, we don't, do we? We do. We play, I thought we were playing. Okay, we'll have to look at that later. I thought I saw somewhere we were playing North. Anyway, um, it would be interesting to see. The point I was going to make is if um, he was to be moved to the second row for the rest of the season, just to give him a crack at it, just to have a little look-see at how he goes. Because um, I'm pretty sure he's played centre the whole his whole time at the club coming from Rugby Sevens. And it's interesting that we have these players come over from Rugby Sevens. I uh, mentioned earlier in the year that there might be an avenue for us as a game to look at uh, as far as uh, finding more players. And Rugby Sevens is a lot closer to Rugby League uh, than obviously Rugby Union, but also Rugby Sevens is, apart from uh, the Rucks in the, in the Moors, um, probably more similar to Rugby League than Rugby Union, Rugby Sevens. So... Definitely talent pool there. We've seen it in the men's and the women's game. Alrighty, this week we're back in the two o'clock time slot up in Newcastle against the Knights. Fancy that. The team <laughs> looks this way. At fullback, Jake Avarillo. The wingers are Jacob Caraz and Josh Adokar. Centers Aaron Shop and Braden Burns. Add him to your list of uh, outside backs that you're highlighting earlier, Scotty. He's been very, very good for the club. Uh, Halves, Matt Burden and Kyle Flanagan. Up front, Max King, Jeremy Marshall King and Paul Vaughan. In the second row, Jackson Torpenny has been named to start. Second time this year, though. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. And uh, Corey Waddell has been named, but obviously five-week or five-match suspension. Uh, so we'll see who starts in the second row there. The lock is Josh Jackson on the bench. Zach Dr. Clay, Davida Pingo Jr., Joe Stimson and Chris Patolo. The reserve list is Declan Casey, Bailey Bionioto, Harrison Edwards, who has been tipped to make his debut this year, uh, Tui Katoa, and Curtis Moran. Now, I must ask from last game, Curtis Moran got dropped for Chris Patola, who plays a whopping six minutes. <laughs> and actually, uh, might come across as a bit harsh. I haven't seen too much of Chris Patola at all mm. to be pushing himself into the top grade side. I don't know if it was almost a promotion for Curtis Moran if they thought, you know what, you're going to be playing limited minutes I'll if you play in our role. If you go down to Cup, you're going to be playing a bigger game time. Well, he didn't, I don't think. I'll, I'll look it up now. But um, Curtis was actually struggling in the, in the Cup. He he came off um, and the team was re... Because they named him to start a prop, but he was playing lock. And when he came off... Um, in that first half, that's when the, we started doing better. Yeah, but I, just, I don't know. I just, you know, if watching Curtis play top grade, he's two top grade games. Yeah, he's been impressive in the top grade. <clears throat> yeah, so I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, I've seen enough of him. I've also seen him earlier this year. I actually tipped him earlier this year. He'll make his debut for the club in the podcast yeah. episode when we versed the Broncos. So that was going back to our first home game. Well, that was when we versed the Raiders in the Nationals Cup prior to that and I said this guy will make top grade this year he'll make it because he's good um, so I've seen a lot I've seen Chris Flannel play a couple of New South Cup games he's kind of skipped that level a bit because he went from flag to top grade last year to make his debut 
Um, but I haven't seen much in Chris Patoa to get a start in our team. I think Curtis yeah. Moran would be a Curtis, better suited to the bench. Curtis Moran only played 33 minutes last week in the Cup, and I don't remember him coming back on after being benched. That's interesting. He may have. I may have missed he may have come on late. He may have played 23 minutes and then the last 10 minutes or something like that. Um, but, yeah, from my memory of the game, it's interesting. He may have played it straight and not come back. But, yeah, I just haven't – yeah, just, just – I don't know. I don't know if I'm missing something with Chris Patala. Like, mm. I just haven't seen anything to why he should be in our 17 every week. I've watched him play a cup game this year. Didn't really – he didn't really catch my attention in that cup game and he was back in the side the week after. Um, so maybe I'm missing stuff. Maybe it's something he does at training. Um, but I don't know, because he only played six minutes on the weekend, which is interesting. But didn't he get that team song? Jeez, he went nuts Christmas, which is good to see. <laughs> he went bloody mental, that team song. Um, but yeah, i just not too sure about that change. But also now, Raymond, you're saying Harrison Edwards potentially <coughs> make a debut. Uh, yeah. Which I was reading some stats. He's got over a 95% tackle efficiency in New South Cup. Mm-hmm. He's been playing quite well. I've, mm-hmm. I've noticed him, um, but I thought maybe Reese Hoffman. I know he's not in the squad this week, but no, he's now top thirty. Yeah, and Hoffman did play well last week in the cup. But maybe I, I highlighted to begin the talking about the cup. There's three players off the bench, um, including Harrison, that really changed the game, and Hoffman sort of jumped on the back of it. So maybe that last week's game had a big impact on. Who's getting the opportunity? Yeah, that's that's true. Um, it would be interesting to see how far because Matt Dury, this uh, I don't know. Um, I was watching him the other week playing cup. Um, I feel like he lost a bit of height. I don't know if that was just my eyes playing, <laughs> up, playing up because he looks smaller than when I saw him mm. at Belmore over this year. He's tall, he's taller than me, and I'm, I stand at six foot, so he's well taller than me, but he just looks very small in the field. He's been playing a lot in the middle, mm. so I wonder if that's a Maybe shifting him to a, a middle uh, is his future. But I, I don't know. He's a dangerous back rower. So he, he didn't get named in the extension. I know he's just recently got back from that long-term ACL. Yeah. So I'm not too sure if they're just not going to play him this year in top grade. But, yeah, there's, I don't know. I'm just interested that Reese Hoffman, he's been all right the cup this year. So I thought he might have got the crack to debut for the club. Yeah. And, yeah, we, we spoke about it a bit earlier this week. Against the Knights, if we win, we can pretty much guarantee that we won't get the wooden spoon, especially given the teams that the uh, the other teams are below us are facing this week. Tigers play Broncos. Uh, Titans play Raiders. And uh, Warriors playing Melbourne. So if all the favourites were to win those games and we were to beat Newcastle, that would go a long, long way towards um, making sure that we don't get the spoon. Are we favourites, you reckon? Should we be expected to win this Sunday? I think so, yeah. I don't know what's up tonight. So I know Pong is out uh, mm. this week and potentially for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah. you got a bit of a, a weird knockout, I guess. But yeah, like that's probably... Well, he's the he's meant to be their marquee player mm. on the biggest biggest money and he's not playing, so it's a, a blow for Newcastle. Um yeah. But they've I think, been... he's, I think he's not playing because of his current appearance on Beauty and the Geek. Is he on it? You haven't seen that? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you a photo later. <laughs> okay. Um, no, he's... I don't know what's... Uh, I, I don't mean... Like, just been watching Newcastle, it's odd because very passionate supporter base. Um, got up to Newcastle 
same few times watching the Bulldogs play. Yeah. Um, it's a good day, good day at Newey. Um, they've got really good fans, Newcastle. Really, really, really good fans. So I'm interested to see, you know, like they the fans are turning up and they just the, the players aren't turning up for Newcastle. It almost upsets me, you know, a passionate supporter base watching their team. It's smacks, it's it's like that back to 2015 or wherever it was when Knights were bottom of the table. Definitely. Do we have an old dog this week, Scotty? <laughs> As you can hear Scott laugh because I've just texted a photo of um of a contestant on Beauty of the Geek side by side with Caitlin Ponga. <laughs> uh, almost definitely because um Actually, old before, dog. before I go back to, to old dog, because I had one for a couple of weeks and you cut me off. Can I just say this is another talking point for the Bulldogs Titans game? Is Kevin Proctor. Yeah. Vaping in the sheds. Yeah. And then stupid enough to record himself, then even stupid enough to post on Instagram. Yeah, well, he's lost like, his contract. He's lost his contract, and he's without a club right, next year. So, rightfully so. Good punishment. Yeah, no, rightfully so. First of all, if you vape, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a questionable thing. <laughs> I just think it's. I don't know. I, I won't say what I was going to say. I just just wish people would stop vaping in the stands and having it, forcing other people to secondhand smoke their electronic smoke. Yeah, like have a trip, but just Kevin Proctor, right? You can't smoke in the stadium. You can't smoke in the stands. You have to get out, right? You, there's, there's no smoking bays uh, at a core or at Combank Stadium. You have to go outside the stadium to have your smoke, um, or whatever. But Kevin Proctor, he's 33 years old. He's recording yeah. himself like a 15 year old. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know if he's taking too many hits in the head or what's wrong with Kevin. Uh, he just thrown his contract away. Uh, I know he probably wasn't being re-signed by the Titans anyway, assuming he's struggling to get into the squat, the side. Um, but talk about stupidity, eh? I just couldn't yeah. believe it when I saw the news. I, could, I said, no way that no one's dumb enough and Kevin Proctor wins the, I think the, the Dumbass of the Year award. Agreed. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. I've gone for an old dog. This one was a couple of weeks ago. You try to pick players, and I've picked a, a, a nice guy. Um, I'm just excited that I get to do old dog this week. Um <laughs> I've picked an outside back, uh, an outside back, uh, who's only played a couple of years with the Bulldogs. He was a bit of a journeyman, uh, but a good story behind him. Uh, I've picked Jonathan Wright, mm. an old dog. And uh, so for those, very quickly, he never really made many rep sides as a kid and was told by a couple of his coaches that he was never going to make top grade. So it would have been a sweet moment in 2009 when he made his debut for the Parramatta Eels in 2010. Full coverage of the Bulldogs in 2011 and 2012. Uh, he played 38 games for the Bulldogs with 17 tries. That's a decent strike rate. Uh, very mm. safe. Very fan favourite. Very good with the kids as well. Natural appearance with seeing him at members' days and painting his face and the Bulldogs logo on his face with kids. Uh Bouncing around with the kids on the jumping castle at some of those events. He then went on to Cronulla for two years, the Warriors for two years, and then Manly before retiring. Uh, for, a, for a kid or for a person who was told he wasn't going to make top grade, he played 121 games in top grade, so well done. 37 tries. He played seven finals matches and four tries. He was in the 2012 grand final loss to the Melbourne Storm, but he... He never let you down. I don't know what you're finding funny. 
Sorry, I was looking at the Caleb Ponga photo again. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. I thought you were like... But I, I think the reason I wanted to highlight Jonathan Wright... Is, so, sorry, Jono. Yeah, is that, you know, he's doing some community stuff at schools now as well. So he's been, you know, he's just a good guy. He mm. was, you know, he had a good story, you know, told that he, you know, wasn't oh. going to make it. He Yeah, many of you know times, always, always very lovely to speak to as well. He's just basically this... Put all my energy into making it. You watch and see. And anyone who plays a hundred games, I'll tell you what. If you play one game, you're, you're good at rugby league. Well, he played in the grand final against Melbourne, so what a reward! Yeah, but you play one game, right? You're good at rugby league. You play like you know. You watch those players who they play cup for like six, seven, ten years, possibly even. Uh, you think like the or is that like Luke Page? Yeah, like you know, someone who's played that level or very, very close. You know. They, he was a very decent player. Uh, you've got to be a good player to be in it like for that. But to play one game is an outstanding achievement. But 100, 100, over 100 games, 121 of them, you know, no fluke at that, at that level. So, you know, really good story. Never give up if you get told, you know, somewhere that you're not going to do something. You know, Jonathan Wright's a living proof that, you know, if you work hard, you can use it as motivation and actually yeah. get somewhere. So that's why I wanted to highlight John Wright this week. That's probably a good point to uh, leave it on. John O'Wright, the uh, old dog for this week. Uh, let's go to the Bulldogs on Sunday. And if you manage to get to the game this weekend, let us know. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>